Welcome back to A View from the Couch. My name is Rich. And I'm Jen. And today we are talking about Avatar, Way of the Water. It's our last episode of the year. Is it? Yeah. It is. Holy crap. Made it through another year. We made it through another year. How long have we been doing this now? Three years? Has it been that long? I think it's been three years. Huh. Look at that. Look at us go. We got a lot of podcasts under our belt, honey. (laughs) (laughs) But yes, this is Avatar, as you called it, Avatar 2. Back when you were in your ugh stage, you called it Avatar 2. It's still kind of Avatar 2, but (laughs) that's not what it's called. But you're no longer in an ugh stage. You definitely liked that first Avatar a lot. I'm so glad we we watched that again and covered it. Yeah. Because up until that, I was not looking forward to watching this movie. I was trying to think of a way I can maybe get out of it. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, maybe I can call Paul myself and see if he can. I just did not want to do it. But that first one was so much better than I remember it being. And so so I was then excited so much so. That I said, let's do this in 3D. I wanted to see this. I wanted to see what the whole excitement was off the first movie with it being in 3D. The only movies I've ever experienced were way back when, when I was little. (laughs) I watched one or two, and I don't remember what it was, but I just remember that stupid little, you know, when they used to put something at the screen so it looked like it was poking you or whatever. That's really all I remember of the 3D. And so I was never really interested in seeing movies in 3D. Yeah, those those days were very gimmicky. Yeah, and I and, just wasn't into that. Yeah, and this this kind of revolutionized 3D for a new generation, I think, the, the original Avatar did, with using it to provide depth of field more than anything else. I mean, there's not really any, like... There's a couple of spots in this movie where where there's like, hey, look, that's something that's kind of pointing at the screen, but it's not pointing directly at the screen, like you know, like an eyeball next to the guy the, that the guy's holding out at you or whatever. Yeah, you know, I think it was more that was just part of the movie. I don't think right. they were doing it to be gimmicky or show you that hey something's in your face. You know? Nope. I think the concept was that that. Cameron wanted people to feel like they were in this world. They were on Pandora. And what better way to do that than with 3D? So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I was I was not 100% behind seeing this movie either, to be honest with you. I felt like we needed to because it was kind of the big one that's coming out. Mm-hmm. But after that rewatch, I definitely liked that first one more than I remember liking it. Yeah. So. It's been a long time. Was it 13 years between the two? 2009 is when it came out. So yeah, 13 years. So I have another thought, and maybe by the end of this, maybe we can answer this question. Sure. And I still don't know that I know the answer, but is this really necessary? Did we really need a sequel to Avatar? I think he's always planned there to be sequels. So I I would say that there is no such thing as a necessary sequel to a movie. I think if you make a film that's that stands on its own and, and does well enough on its own to tell a story, you don't need to have another movie to tell anything else. Right. But did we want an Avatar 2? I, I think like sequels and trilogies and stuff work best if they're conceived of from the beginning. Right. Because then you can tell 
like a co- cohesive overarching story yeah. through the whole thing. I agree. Versus some of these sequels that all of a sudden we're taking a right turn and going off in a completely different direction. So those yeah. don't feel like earned or necessary stories a lot of the time. I think Avatar itself was an enclosed story that mm-hmm. it ended well. We had a finish. There was no like loose endings. Told a good story. Yeah. But I feel like where he went with this, he did kind of, you could tell he kind of had this in his thought process that maybe this is kind of where he was going with yeah it. yeah like i agree putting I, a definitely. whole world together for yeah. us it, i think the idea is that the, this story the avatar story the original avatar film story was yes an, an enclosed a, a a finite thing but the world of pandora is so new and so rich and so lush that there are other stories that can be told in fact we have three more coming let's hope now, Cameron did say if this doesn't do well, they're going to end it after three. But if this does well, they're going to do all f- the next three. Huh. So there'd be five altogether. Interesting. Yeah. So it's so be... all depends on how this movie does in theaters. So huh. so five part story. Yep. Five acts almost. Interesting. Yeah. Very Shakespearean. Okay. I can dig it. So we can dispense with the have you seen this movie this movie before because we already know that we've seen the previous movie before anybody that's been listening for more than a couple of weeks knows this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this is a newer movie. And so. it's brand new, brand new, <laughs> right? Look, this just came out a couple weeks couple ago. A couple weeks ago, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So I mean it made 180 million dollars in its opening night globally. It's opening night? Yeah, I believe so. Wow. Yeah. Well, no, I guess maybe not opening night cuz that would have been Thursday night. But global global box office opening day would have been okay. so preview night Thursday night. I don't think is is I think is included in this. So it's actually okay. like a day like and a night. Day. Okay. So, but they're they they they. I think early projections had it at four hundred million in the first week, or first weekend. So right, yeah. That doesn't surprise me. We saw this on a weekday, and. We went on a weekday thinking there wouldn't be very many people because I anticipated the weekends would be busy. Yeah. And I would say almost half theater yeah, was half full. Half the theater. At an 11 o'clock in the morning uh, yeah, show. Yeah, o'clock. On yeah. a Friday. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I, I guess I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. I am not surprised either. I mean, this is one of those movies that that... These are the 3D movies that people want to see. Also, yeah, just to make sure very clear, we did see this in 3D. Yeah, so if if you go and see it in 2D, there we might have a different experience. I think the I think part of this film and part of engaging with this film has to do with the 3D aspect of it. I'm so glad we saw this in 3D. I was a little hesitant about going in. I do get motion sick pretty easy. And there was a few moments in here where I was getting a little dizzy feeling, but it passed pretty quickly because it didn't like stay. A lot of times it was in the water when they were like twisting and turning and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. I got a little disoriented, but then it came out of it and then I was just fine. So if anybody else has that issue, I think you'll be okay. I did okay. Yeah, just for reference, she is very sensitive with the, <laughs> with the 3D stuff. 
it's very difficult for you. But I did okay, and I'm yeah. so glad I did, and I'm so glad I got to see this. This was really cool to experience this 3D world. It was yeah. really neat. So safe to say if we go back and we see 3, 4, and 5, if they get made, we're going to be seeing them in 3D is my guess. I would say as long as they keep putting out decent movies, I mean, right, right. obviously if 3 ends up being a big stinker or something, you know, I don't know if I'd want to go see 4. <laughs> anyway, who, who knows? We'll see what happens. Well, who knows? Yeah. But so, they have these all scheduled out already. They've already started filming some of these. They did what Lord of the Rings did, and they've started filming, while they were filming this, parts of the next movies hmm. already. Well, I imagine they had to with kids, because there's some kids in this movie that, well, I guess they're... I don't with... think you have to worry about that as much, because spider? the characters... Spider, yes. But the other characters... You could get a different actor because it's the motion capture. Like we have Sigourney Weaver playing a basically young teenager. Yeah. Which Sigourney Weaver thought this was amazing. It gives actors more range of what they can do because now she's able to do a role like this as a young teenager where in real life, you know, she wouldn't be able to play a young teenager anymore. That's true. That's interesting. That's an interesting aspect of that. Yeah. I hadn't thought about it that way. Huh. That's interesting. Well, okay. So why don't we, I feel like, I feel like we just, we're tiptoeing around everything. Tiptoeing around it. I think we need to just, <laughs> just jump in. in. So why don't, yeah, let's dive into the way of the water and you start with the casting crew. All right. So this was directed by James Cameron and written by James Cameron, but he has help. He has Rick Jaffa and Amanda Silver in this one. Now he has a team over the next this movie and the next three, I think there's five or six writers. They actually got into a room, did a meeting, put up the whole storyboard for all of the movies. And then once that was done, then he divvied out who was writing which movie after that. So he's kind of in charge, but he has other people helping him write the stories. So he wrote that first movie by himself, though. Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. But, but he now has, he's got help. Now he's got a writer's room, basically, yep. for this. Yep. You know, when you're going to do a big project like that, that makes sense. I mean, yeah, he's directing, great. you know, get some help on that writing side of it. So. Yeah, definitely. All right. We bring back Sam Worthington as Jake. No longer an unknown factor. I mean, well, at least, I mean, he hasn't really done a whole lot for the last 13 years, but at least we know him from Avatar. Right. Zoe Saldana as Natiri. Fantastic actor. Still. And probably the best actor in this if you take Sigourney Weaver out of it, but. Sigourney Weaver, we talked about, she is in as Curie. So she's still here, but she's in as a new character. Yes, we'll talk about that. Stephen Lang comes back as, what what the heck, how do you say his name? Miles Quaritch. Quaritch. Now, he's Miles Quaritch still, but he's a new version of Miles Quaritch. So Arguably he is now, a different character. He is now... Like his brain was put onto like a chip or something mm-hmm. and inserted into one of those, one of those the avatars. avatar things. So he has his memories up until the point of where that chip was recorded. Which was just post-invasion of, of Pandora. Yeah. All right. And then we've got two new people I want to talk about. We have Kate Winslet playing Ronal. And we have Cliff Curtis as Tanawari. Yeah. A whole new, a whole new version of the Navi here in this movie. Yeah, and I guess I didn't realize that 
but it makes absolute sense. But, you know, when you watch the first one, I didn't think you're going to have different Navi people. Yeah. Super cool. It makes sense if you think about it. It, it, This is the thing that I like about this movie, and I'm going to say this, over, say, Aliens and Star Wars. Now, please don't take this as I don't like Star Wars. I do like Star Wars. But in Star Wars, Wookiees are on Kashyyyk, and Ewoks are on Endor, and Sand People are on, or Tuscans are on Tatooine. And it's like they have one indigenous species, and that's it. Mm-hmm. On every planet, it's identifiable by one thing, like one major indigenous species, and that's it. And so, like, you can tell someone is from, you know, Naboo, or you can tell someone is from, you know, well, Naboo's a bad example. Naboo has two major, major species, but generally speaking, it's a one thing. And same thing with, like, his biomes in those movies, that you only have, like, Tatooine is a desert planet, and Endor is a forest planet, and Kashyyyk is a forest planet, and Hoth is an ice planet. It's like one note, one mm-hmm. thing, easy to keep track of. This feels a lot more fleshed out, a lot more developed than the worlds of Star Wars, which are varied across, you know, an entire galaxy, sure. Mm-hmm. But here on Pandora, there are multiple species, multiple versions like you said of the navi there are different it's like having people from spain and people from you know canada or people from russia and people from italy or people from china and people from peru they're all people but they have different skin tones they have different facial features they have different different ways that they do their hair they have different ways that they dress there's all kinds of different cultures that all come together to form this one species and that's what we have with the navi Mm -hmm. that we don't have on other in other major sci-fi things like star like star wars so okay anyway not to again to you know piss on star wars but i'm gonna piss on star wars for a second i guess (laughs) all right should we talk about this movie yeah let's let's dive in woohoo we're gonna dive in because it's because <laughs> it's the way of the water, right? Or is it the way? Is it the way of the water or way of water? The way of water. The way of water. Okay. All right. Well, we're gonna dive in anyway. So more than ten years have passed since he and the Navi expelled the Sky People from Pandora, and Jake Sully and his mate Natiri have raised a family. That includes his firstborn son Natayam. So Natayam's only like 10 years old? 11. Oh, he seems so much older than old. that. It's, yeah. Yep. Okay. Yep. And then Loak, which is his second son. And then you have daughter Took. But it also includes an adopted daughter, Kiri, who is the child of Grace's avatar and an unknown father. We don't know who her dad is. I'm a little confused as to... How this child was born from Grace's avatar? Because yeah. Grace died. But, but she I'm, was in suspension. But I'm wondering if 
this is going to be explored further in one of the movies coming up because Kiri seems to have a big connection with the planet and I have a feeling that there's going to be some kind of planet mother earth or mother whatever that planet I can't remember what's that planet called Pandora Pandora (laughs) Like Mother Pandora. There we go. Mother Pandora, something's happening. So I I think we're going to find out something. But right now, it's confusing. Great Mother. The Great Mother. Yes. (laughs) So this is 100% who Kiri's father is. Kiri doesn't have a father. Mm -hmm. Kiri was immaculately conceived, so to speak. I I'm going to I'm going to say let's let's see if, if that's what happens but I have a gut feeling that's right. It, all signs point to this. Yeah. So, anyway, so Kiri We could both be absolutely wrong we and we'll be. find out, but we'll see. We could be. <laughs> I don't think we are. I really don't. But what's the other alternative? Because she's dead by the time Kiri is is born. Yeah. The avatar itself is deceased. Yeah. And it's just kept in stasis. So what? Are we talking necrophilia here? And post-mortem impregnation? How? No, they were making it seem like maybe she was fooling around with somebody before she died. So she died. So she was maybe pregnant, like the avatar was pregnant when she died. So if the avatar is pregnant when she dies, the fetus dies as well. I would think so. Right. Unless there's some sort of like other external thing going on here. Kiri is a 100% immaculately conceived. Guaranteed. So you got to remember when Grace died, she was connected to the tree. Right. And so I don't know. I feel like somehow uh, there's some kind of big connection there. I don't know what it is yet. But somehow, Kiri is very important to what's going to happen to the future of this planet. They are not going to go some mundane, her and Norm had a little fling before she died. No, but they're laying, the, they're laying the little seeds for that just to throw you off. Well, of course, but yeah. come on. Like, if you're going for those breadcrumbs, you're not paying attention. <laughs> you know? Anyway, they also have one last child in their family and his name is spider he is a young human who was abandoned by the other sky people when they fled now i don't think he's considered a child of theirs though because like when they do family pictures and stuff spider's not there i think spider's just a good family friend gotcha okay well he will be by the end he will be by the end yes so but he was a baby when the when the humans fled and Spider would not have survived the cryostasis needed to make a trip back to Earth. So that's that's how he got left behind. And they try to throw us a curveball as to who his dad is, but they're very obvious about who his dad is. They make some veiled reference to, oh, you know, sometimes it's better not to have a dad. And then you cut straight to Quaritch's right. avatar. It's like, okay, duh. I mean, <laughs> yeah, they're not trying to hide it. I don't think they were. And they never actually try to make it like a big reveal or anything like that. No, that's why I don't think they were really yeah. trying to hide it. It's not a, it's not a big reveal. It's just, it, it, the clues are there and yet not subtle. So. so everything seems really perfect in the Sully household. Except that the Sky People have returned. 
they show back up not to mine for unobtainium this time, but for something a little more nefarious. They're going to colonize Pandora. Now, isn't this interesting that they come in, they kind of set up their own little government, and they call the natives the insurgents. Oh, that's how it always works. <laughs> it's just like, my God. I, I know, but... And that's how it always works. The people that are trying to get rid of the people that are invading are the insurgents. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You, my friend. <laughs> yeah. 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 So basically, Earth is running out of time as a viable living space, and so they've decided that they're going to colonize Pandora. They can have all the unobtainium they need if they take the whole planet, right? It's that colonizer mentality. Yeah. Yeah. So Jake and his people wage a guerrilla warfare campaign to disrupt the Sky People's supply lines while the humans begin a counterinsurgency campaign, which is led by the avatars, well, led by avatars that have been programmed, like you said, with the pre-invasion personalities of Miles Korich and his platoon. Now, I just want to know. Yeah. What happened to that great big red creature that Jake tamed at the end of the first one? Isn't that his his animal now? Where did it go? No, he still has his own one of the regular sized ones, but that one is, I think that was just more of a symbolic taming mm, than okay. anything else. It was meant to show that he... He could, he was trying to inspire them and say, look, we can come together. And yeah, I know that's what he was doing, but I thought that thing was cool. I was looking forward to seeing it again. <laughs> You're like, I wanted to see bird? it in the 3D. <laughs> Where's the big bird? I want the big I bird. Why is the big bird not here? I don't understand. <laughs> I'm not coming back until the big bird's back. <laughs> so th- let's talk about this whole thing with the, uh, the avatars being programmed with earlier versions of the Marines. I was a little confused as to the timing of when it was done. It seemed like it was done at some point after. Well, obviously it was after Jake was there. It had to have been right before they went out like on their final attack because he was going on about how Jake was this traitor and blah, blah, blah. And Mm -hmm. I thought that was at the end that he really figured that out. So before he goes out for this, that's when he's recording all his memories in here? Well, when they they find out that Jake is th- leading the, the, the fight against the humans, when they come after the world tree, or not the world tree, the trees of Awa with those bulldozers, and they catch Jake on camera smashing the cameras so that they can't operate the bulldozers. And so somewhere between then... And when and when they're and when they're trying to make their final push is I'm guessing when they have programmed all of their information onto these things. Seems like a really small window, but it, I'll, it is, it's yeah. fine. It'll work. It's fine. I just like was like, God, all right, that seems very convenient, <laughs> but that's fine. Yeah. Well, the benefit here is that Jake Quaritch still recognizes Jake as a threat. He still maintains all of his knowledge up to that point, but he doesn't remember his death. Mm-hmm. This whole part I thought was kind of creepy and weird. I mean, can you imagine coming up and seeing your own dead body there? Yeah. And then you get to watch a video on how you died too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because they re- they kind of they kind of relink the uh, the suit and and replay 
human Quaritch's last moments. But here's the interesting thing. He says, I'm not Quaritch. I'm something else. But he still harbors a grudge against Natiri mm -hmm. for killing human Quaritch. Mm -hmm. He still... But he and, and yet he still tries to separate himself from Spider, who, you know, as we know, is his son. And he knew he knows that it's his son. Is yeah, yeah, right. So he tries to separate himself. He has from the that. memories of him being his son. Right. And then he also tries to use that connection for his own nefarious purposes. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting to me that he claims to be someone else but he's not he's still Quaritch yeah. he's yeah. just Quaritch with the last like couple hours of his life deleted right from his brain and put pretty much yeah. yeah I mean and then when he was watching the playback on how he died and spiders watching it over the corner mm -hmm. of his shoulder or whatever yeah I thought for sure Spider was gonna betray them. I I just thought that's where they were going with betray that. the Navi. Yeah, he pretty much did. I not to the point where I thought he was gonna go. I mean, I really thought he was going to like really lead him in there and stuff because it was his dad and because he saw that Natiri was the one that actually killed him. And Spider is a character that is difficult for me because of exactly this that he does because they okay well, well let let me let me put that on let me put a pin in that we'll come back to that when we get to okay. what happens with spider so during the counterinsurgency campaign Korich captures jake and Natiri's kids and the parents fight back and they free everybody but spider was with them and spider gets taken by Korich, and he's tries to use spider to get information about the Navi and Jake specifically. Now, there's an interesting thing, though, because yeah. the commander lady. Edie oh, Falco. Edie Falco's <laughs> lady. <laughs> I don't know who, I don't know her character's name. I don't remember, I can't remember. Uh, who that is. Anyway, she's basically torturing this kid. Like, right. The whole clockwork orange, like holding the eyelids open. Clockwork there's, orange? There's, You've seen that movie? No, but I've seen that scene. Oh. I've seen that. Visual. Like, wow. Okay. And then the whole light spinning around. And, yeah. I mean, it's basically torturing a child. Yeah, they're lightboarding him, not waterboarding. To get information. And Quaritch does step in and stop it. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Like, he's definitely the same guy. Yeah. He's definitely the same guy. He likes to pretend he's not, but he is. I mean, he does say he's going to try and do his own way. So he's going to still try and manipulate the kid, mm -hmm. but... He at least did stop that from happening. He right. was like, okay, enough, enough. You're not doing this. Right. But then this is where my problems with Spider begin because Spider, I understand that he's not really left much of a recourse because he's like, look, you can either help me or I'm just going to go in, you know, guns a blazing and take the whole thing down. Mm -hmm. But he teaches them the ways of the Navi, even so much as to go and teach them how to fly those winged creatures. Mm -hmm. Like, why are you doing this? Why are you allowing them to learn so much about Pandora that they can use against these people that you claim to love? I, I, think I mean, I get that he's like 12 or 13 years old. I think it's old, a but. kid who doesn't have a family yeah, and is trying to, in a weird way, connect with his dad, but still feels... I, I, you could tell he is torn. 
he is torn here because yeah. he does not want them going in and hurting anybody. And he does stop him from killing people. Yeah, he does. He does. But he's also a kid who wants to have his dad, you he know? He wants his family around, yeah. I, I I feel for the kid. I feel for Spider. He's in a bad spot. Yeah, he is. He is. I think it's unfair, but I still feel kind of conflicted about him. I think that's kind of the point. Yeah. I know. I just... I, it feels unfair to put me in this position, James Cameron, <laughs> to make me feel conflicted about some kid. You know, I mean, it's just, he's just a kid, yeah. you know? But uh, although this could be, you know, this could be some kind of commentary on war and what it does to people and what, you know, because very realistically, Spider is a victim of this war as much as everybody else is, mm-hmm. you know? Yep. So, I mean, it, it's definitely, it definitely shows. And it's it's a difficult, it's a difficult character to get to, to empathize with, but you do have to empathize with mm-hmm. him. So. I I did. I felt bad for the kid. Yeah. I thought yeah. he was given some bad, bad options. Yeah. The Sully family returns to their people, but Jake insists that the family has to leave the village to protect the people in it. Uh, Natiri doesn't want to leave because her whole family is there. This is where they're from. This is where their family is from. And Jake, you know, Jake is like, look, we have to otherwise they're going to kill everyone here well and it not just for the people it's for i mean it's for his family too like he's like they are going to come after and get the kids right we got to protect the kids right so they head to the oceans jake knows of a an archipelago of thousands of islands with different tribes on them water people called the metkaina they have thicker tails and they have kind of like fin-like shapes on their arms and they can breathe under, or not breathe underwater, but they can hold their breath really long time. The leader, one of the island tribes, Tanawari, and his mate, Renal, agree to shelter the Sullies. Well, Renal's very reluctant. She does not want to do this. True. Very true. Renal it is pregnant. It also should be noted. The Sully family learns the ways of the reef people, and Curie forms a special bond with the sea and its creatures. Meanwhile, Loak, he befriends the daughter of Tanawari. Her name is, I think it's pronounced Soraya, which leads to a fight with Soraya's brother, Anang. I think that's how you pronounce that one. Anang? Anang? I I think it's Anang. I don't remember. (laughs) I think it's Anang, yeah. But Jake makes Loak apologize to Anang. But when he goes to find the kid, Anang entices him, Loak, out beyond the reef to go He guilts him into it. Yeah. Like, like, oh, you're just going to follow your dad's rules. You're kind of a wimp peer or whatever. Pressure. Yeah. It's peer yeah. pressure. He peer pressures him into going out beyond the reef to go fishing. But they actually lure him into like a predator's like area. Mm-hmm. Like, and then they abandon him there. This is really harsh. This is really like shitty. he could have died. <laughs> he probably would have. That's what they, I think, intended. But doesn't that make them terrible, terrible beings? Yeah, I think you're right. I, think I mean, so. I mean, but they're also kids. <sighs> I know. I mean, everything works out in the end. But at the same time, I'm like, what is happening here? Miyagi said. That there's no such thing as a bad student, only a bad teacher. 
So I'm guessing that if these kids have better direction, maybe they'll be better. And I think Loak is kind of kind of be the leader in that way. Because when he finally gets back from his little adventure outside the reef, he takes the blame for the whole thing. But we'll get to that in a second. So he gets attacked by this big shark-like predator thing, and he's trying to hold his breath underwater, and then he tries to escape, but he doesn't make it to the surface, and he blacks out. And then he wakes up on a whale. That's effectively a whale. This was so cool in 3D. My <laughs> God, was this cool. This think, is really neat. I think you're absolutely right. This was this. The, I think again, part of the part of the appeal of this movie is seeing it in 3D and f- experiencing that depth of field. Underwater felt very, very real. Underwater had like a depth that even the forest doesn't have. And I have this, this as he was running out of air. I mean, I could feel like the anxiety building up in me too. Like, I'm like, oh my God, he's got to breathe. He's got to breathe. He's got to get up there. He's got to breathe. Right. I, you know, I I don't know. That That's kind of what, I think everybody has that fear, like drowning and going underwater oh, and yeah. not being able to breathe. Oh yeah. I don't think that's just me. I think that's everybody. Oh no, it's just you. <laughs> Nobody else feels that way. Anyways, I really <laughs> liked the look of this, like the shark thing attacking him yeah. in those reef and yep. that stuff like coming apart. And it just looked really cool. It really showcases the 3D aspect of it. With everything floating in the water, you can kind of get yeah. this feel for how he's kind of going through things. And, and there's like pieces that are in front of him and you can sense the depth of mm-hmm. like where he is versus where that piece that's in front of him is. Kudos, yeah. James Cameron. I loved it. Yeah, he did it. He did a great job with it. The whole team did. So, well, he the the creature that he woke up on is not actually a will. It's a it's a, a creature called the Tulkan, and this one's named Payakan. He saved the boy, and they form a special bond, and they even kind of learn to communicate. But unbeknownst to Loak, the Tulkan are actually the spiritual family of the Metkayina. They others in the Metkayina tribe communicate with others in the Tolkien tribes and they form these bonds. So he's doing exactly what the Metkayina do, mm-hmm. but he just doesn't know that that's what they're doing. That's right. what's going on. He just thinks he's found this he's cool animal. new friend. Yeah, yeah, he's got a friend. Loak returns home, like I said, and he takes the blame for his disappearance and that kind of lets Anang off the hook and kind of wins his friendship too. There's mm-hmm. what I'm talking about because later he's going to be a better person. Yeah. From this. So I think this is this is this is showing Loak's maturity for his age. Now Loak interestingly enough is the quote-unquote outcast. He's the kid that doesn't fit in. He's not the good soldier that his brother is. He's more of an emotional type of a character. And you notice that whenever he was getting in trouble before, his brother would take the blame for him. And now he's turning and taking the blame for somebody else. He's learned. Yeah. He learned from that. So he learns that Payakan is an outcast in his tribe as well, but he doesn't know why. So he he ends up going out there and links with Payakan and discovers that he was outcast because humans killed his mother and he broke with the Tolkien traditions of pacifism and attacked the human ships and so that he's become an outcast for not being a pacifist basically so the Sully children travel with their friends to the Metkayena tree of life they have their own tree of life it's underwater 
and Kiri links to the tree to visit her mother Grace. So she get we get this moment where Sigourney Weaver gets to meet young blue Sigourney Weaver. <laughs> well, young blue CGI Sigourney Weaver. <laughs> <laughs> but Kiri suffers a seizure and she gets brought back to the Sully home. Jake calls the remaining human scientists. Remember, they left a few behind in the first one. And he calls Norm and the other guy, I can't remember his name. They come, but they can't do anything. So Renal cures or heals Kiri. Mm -hmm. But the damage is kind of done because Quaritch has been tracking Norm Uh and his team. So now he knows that Jake and the Sullys are on this this island group. He just doesn't know exactly where. Yeah. He knows they're there somewhere. Right. So because he doesn't know where they are, Quaritch commandeers a whaling vessel that takes him around to different areas and he starts interrogating other clans. And then when that doesn't work, he orders the whaling crew to start killing Tulkins like wholesale yeah, so, to draw Jake out. So this is where we get the scene where he's going to kill one of the Navi people mm-hmm. at one of these tribes and spider that's true. Yeah, Stops spider. Him. Yeah, he jumps in and he says they end up killing one of their animals, which right. they're like family to the, to the Metkayena. Metkayena. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to get that right very often. You got to write that time. So this shows shows me that these guys have not changed at all. They're horrible. They are. I put. They are still assholes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> They're I wrote still bad. I mean, just I wrote, all to get Jake Sully. I don't understand. He wants his revenge. Why he is so? But but it's like they've gotten the go ahead from the commander because to the do this. Commander wants to clear a path, and she sees Sully and his tribe as an obstacle to terraforming this world. Not even terraforming, just occupying this world. So. Yeah. Nobody else is fighting back. Everybody's being led by Jake in this fight back. So, yeah. So this is where we learn that what the mission of these whalers is. They are tracking and killing these whales, these Tulkins, for a brain enzyme that basically reverses aging in humans. But it is extremely rare and therefore extremely valuable in cash money type of deals this was very hard to watch i was very upset about this i don't like this kind of stuff yeah there's a reason why he put this in here and it's oh, I'm sure. for it's, it's about to, the whalers just right? to show yeah. how heartbreaking this is yeah. and spider points out that's all you're doing with this you're just basically wasting the rest of the animal you're you're not you're taking that itty bitty little piece out and the rest is, you're just going to sink it. Murdering a living creature so that a bunch of old people can live longer seems a bit extreme. Yeah. And then they're going after mothers, abandoning the calves, mm-hmm. which we saw with. With Spider. They abandoned, Spider was abandoned. We saw with that other Tolkien that Loak made friends with. Well, I don't remember what that one's name was. Oh. Pi- 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 yep. Pi- 
So we see this is not something new. This is something they've been doing for a while. And they have quotas that they have to make. Right. Yeah. This is the new unobtainium. Yes. It's even more rare than unobtainium. And even more cruel because with that, they were digging, you know, mining for it. And this, they are killing creatures for it. I mean, they were... They were displacing families and, and right. entire communities for mm-hmm. this unobtainium. And yeah. then they went They went and killed people to earth. take that tree yeah. down, yeah. So I mean they've I just don't know. up they just up their stupid little yeah. antics. Anything for money. It's like another Cameron movie, Aliens, that that has a similar theme to this, and it, she says, I don't know who's worse. You, the humans, or the aliens, we don't see them fucking each other over for a percentage. Right. So Quaritch, at the end of this, he says, leave the floating devices on it because they want them to know Mm -hmm. it was him. Yep. Yep. He's trying to draw them out. Yep. Don't sink them. Yeah. That's what he's trying to do. He wants Jake and he's going to do whatever he can do to do it. So we so, have some new suits, though, I want to talk about real quick. So yeah. these new, so we had those, what are those, like exoskeleton suits or something those like that? suits, yeah. So they had those in the first one, but now we have ones that look like crabs. Yeah. That the little hands move around and do, it, yeah. they look silly, but They were goofy, fine. but I loved them. I thought they were neat. Well, th- what else would you have to go in the water? Yeah. You got a little walking crab. Why not? Well, it's a submarine that basically grows legs that can, like, crawl around and grab stuff. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it's cool. Look, James Cameron's been to the bottom of the ocean enough times that dude knows what you're going to need to, you know, crawl around down there. So yeah. <laughs> he's like, you know, if I could have a crab suit to walk around down <laughs> that'd here, be that'd perfect. be great. <laughs> so Let's so make he it. made one. He made one in a CGI world, but he made one anyway. So the Metkayina learn about the wholesale slaughter of the Tolkien, and Loak leaves to find Payakan, who's not going to get the warnings that they're sending out because he's outcast. Mm-hmm. So he gets followed by his siblings along with Sreya and Anang, and they find Payakan, but he's being tracked by the humans already. So they come together and they rescue him. They pull the tracker off and... They they drag it to the bottom of the ocean, but the kids get captured. And Quaritch uses them to draw Jake out. And then we have a full-on fight that starts. Because Payakan sees that his soul brother is being threatened by the humans, and he attacks the vessel. He's already an outcast. Screw it. Why not go ahead and help out? Do it again, right? Yeah. So he, he free willies out of the water and lands on this thing. And just starts like swatting people into the water. Yeah, it was fantastic. I, this was this was a spectacle and a half. Yeah, in three D, this was amazing. Shit was flying everywhere. People's arms were getting lopped off. It was crazy. But it wasn't the goofy where it was flying no, at you. Yeah, it, it wasn't was flying just at you. Yeah. flying out. It was yeah. just. It was. It was spectacular. This I was, really liked this. this. This was his revenge. Yeah. Yeah, this is the world tree sequence from the first movie, but kind of in reverse. No. Just that big, like, centerpiece of the film, you know? So the the kids get rescued. Natayim ends up getting mortally wounded in the escape, though. And the Sullys retreat, and Natayim dies. Kiri and Took are still on the vessel, though, because he wasn't able to get them. So Jake goes back, Natiri 
and Loak and Spider eventually all go with him mm-hmm. without him knowing about it. And Jake faces off with Quaritch, but he's holding Kiri at gunpoint as a hostage. So Natiri, who's furious at this point, her firstborn son is dead because of this man. She grabs Spider and uses him as a hostage. And it's only when she slices a, a, a like, cuts Spider across the chest that Quaritch is like, okay, all right, I'll let her go. Do you think she would have actually killed Spider? I think she would have. Okay. I do. I do. Because I don't know if I like that. I don't either, but I think she would have. Why? You could argue that she maybe just cut him for effect, but that's injuring someone who's as close to you as your as your kids are, kind of, right? I mean, well, okay, but at the very beginning, it's established that she thinks he's alien and should not be there. Well, that's true. So I don't think she has the affection for him that, that the Jake others does, yeah. do. But I still was a little surprised at how aggressive, because I thought she was, I thought she would do it too, and yeah. I I wasn't sure I liked that for her character. But at the same time. Her son was just killed, and her other son had a knife to his throat. Or daughter. Her daughter yeah, had yeah. knife to her throat. Knife to her throat, yeah. I, I mean, Natiri as a character is pretty complex, but she's still driven by this idea that the Sky people are bad. Mm-hmm. And Spider, like it or not, is still a Sky person. Yeah. He's not from... the. It's like It's like in Jaws, right? Like, when do I get to become an Islander? Never. You're not born here. You're not an Islander, right? right? Except for Jake. Jake wasn't born there, but he became an Islander. I honestly was like, God, please don't make this kid into an avatar by the end of this. Yeah. I I, I mean, I, he might in one of these movies, but... Yeah, they might make him into one at the end of, the, at the end of this well, series you could, of films. Well, you can kind of tell that there's there's a connection between him and Kiri. Yeah, Kiri, yeah, he and Kiri have definitely have a connection. Yep. Mm-hmm, so. Yep. Yeah. So the vessel is sinking and everybody's trying to get off of it. So. Yeah. What is it with James Cameron and sinking ships? <laughs> this looked very Titanic to me. This is and I don't know Titanic. If, I don't know if it was just because I know he did Titanic. Titanic and, I, it, and it was fresh <laughs> in my brain but you know when it was flipping over and stuff I'm like this this is this is what happened when the Titanic went down you know it went up yeah. and then went down and yeah he knows his shit about sinking ships he does that. he does so why but not why not sink another one my reference for this scene was aliens and when Newt fell down into that uh, into that subterranean like sewer water sure because that's what happens with Nuck she ends up sliding down. That's why Natiri goes after her. She slides down into that thing. Yeah. What's up with him and sending kids down into like like horrible water infested areas? What's up with that? I don't know. James Cameron, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> but that's what happens. So Natiri goes after Took, and Jake fights Quaritch. He ends up getting the upper hand. He ends up strangling him underwater and leaving him under there to drown. But Jake is also kind of out of time himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, he gets found by his son, by Loak, who brings him to an air pocket, tells him, look, we can get out of here. And Jake's like, no, I can't do it because I can't hold my breath long enough. But Loak teaches him the way he was taught to breathe underwater and to hold or to hold your breath underwater for a long periods of time. So he leads him out. And then Payakan comes along and helps them 
like kind of make that last stretch yep. to the to the surface. Meanwhile, Natiri and Took are stuck in I think in like the mess hall or something like that, but there's no way out. The yeah. water has sealed their exit and they're gonna drown. But Kiri goes into the water, she uses these luminescent sea creatures to light the way to her mother and sister goes to find them and uses them to find their way back. Mm-hmm. I thought that was pretty darn cool. I like that. She helps their sister to safety. So to safety. So meanwhile, spider discovers Quaritch or Quaritch's body. And for some reason, again, I don't understand why this kid does this. Guilt. But he, he rescues it's- him. I understand that there's a confusion about this, but this is still his father. I, 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 I don't, I think he's just torn. It's like, like he, he's going to go, but then there's something that stops him. Like this man is his biological father. And no, while not, he, not biologically, not anymore, not anymore, yeah. but he's there. His memories are there. God dang it. But like he was three at the time. He yeah. barely remembers his actual father. I, I, he's a kid. I, I mean, if this was an adult knowing what he's done and what he's been through and that it's not really his dad, I think there'd be a dis- different decision there. But mm. he's a kid. I'm having such a hard time with this because it doesn't take long for him to go basically from like, I'm going to rescue you to F you, dad, I'm leaving. Well, I don't think he wants to stay with him. I just don't think he wanted to see him die. Oh, God. Knowing that he could save him, I don't think he wanted to. To what end? He knows what Quaritch is willing to do. He knows what he's capable of doing. He's watched him do it. I don't know. I Spider is a dumbass. I, I'm going to go back to he's a kid, and kids are not capable of reasoning through all of that in quick amounts of time. I mean. He's, he's a dumbass kid. <laughs> I don't know. I I. I, well, I don't agree with all of his decisions, and I also don't know, I mean, do you, can you make the choice to let somebody die? I don't know. I don't want to be in that decision ever, but he's a kid, and I'm going to, I'm going to give it to him because he is a child. Not me. I still think he's a dumbass. (laughs) That's okay. Yeah. So Quaritch is, like, after he gets rescued, Quaritch is like, well, come with me, and and that's when Jake, or not Jake, Spider's like, nah, I'm out of here. He takes off and he goes back to Jake's clan where he's accepted as a son. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the Sully family mourns the death of Natayim and they take place, they take part in a funeral ceremony where they sink the body and it's claimed by Awa. I was starting to Bob tear Z. up on this I one. was too. I that choked up. so... Oh my God. I mean, oh my gosh. I, I had such a hard time and then I thought it was so <sighs> beautiful with going down and then yeah. just being accepted in there. Oh, yep. I'm getting teared up just between, like, talking about it. Between that part and the part where Jake says to Loak, I see you, my son. Yeah. Like knowing who his son is, knowing him, recognizing him and finally accepting him. I was like... <clears throat> Who's <laughs> cutting onions in this joint? Yeah, it was. It was. There was some emotional shit at the end of this movie. Yeah, there was. Yeah. So Jake makes the decision that they're going to leave the Metkayina because he can't have the Sky People coming for them. But Tonawari says, "Your son is buried here. You fought with us. You are Metkayina." 
you should stay with us. And so Jake's like, okay, I guess we're going to (laughs) stay. So they stay. And the end of the movie, the movie ends with Jake and Natiri visiting the Tree of Life to see Natayim one last time. They hook up to the Tree of Life with their, their little braids, their braid, I don't know what they're called, their braid stem thingies. And they see him one last time. What another emotional bit where, like, they're kind of seeing it. And Jake has this voiceover where he's vowing that he's going to continue to fight the colonizing humans. And that's the end of the movie. So, there we have it. There we have it. Avatar, the way of water. Not way of the water, but the way of water. The way of water, yeah. The way of the water of the water. The you are tearing up. I was. I'm not kidding when I was talking wow. about it. That was really. Right. Of course, we're talking about a child dying too, and how can, as a parent, how can you not feel that? Yeah. Know? How can that not affect them? Yeah. So, you called it at the end of our podcast about the first Avatar movie. I was like, "What are they even going to do? What's going to be the like big bad?" And you said, "It's probably just going to be the Sky People coming back." Bam! Nailed it right on the head. The Sky People are back. <laughs> They're back. Got it. So, wh- you have any trivia? Anything? I have like a couple that? things. What do you got? So, in order to not have bubbles, because this was filmed when they're underwater, these guys are in their mocap suits. They had to make special wetsuits so that way the camera wouldn't pick up reflections off of the water and the different ca- little what are they? I don't the know what balls they are. The are little ball there? things. Yeah. yeah. And the other thing was they couldn't like breathe or use oxygen tanks. They had to hold their breath. So the people with the cameras under there were holding their breath. Any crew members under there were holding their breath. The actors were holding their breath. Wow. And so it, yeah, they didn't want bubbles because the bubbles would... Would have cause reflections, reflections the, and oh my stuff. God. What, so they, a, what a technological nightmare that would be. Yeah. But Kate Winslet mm-hmm. apparently is a rock star at holding her breath. Oh, really? She she broke some kind of like scuba record or something like that. It's not the all-time world record, but it's like some kind of weird dive record. She held her breath under here for 7 minutes and 14 seconds. She beat Tom Cruise's underwater filming record of 6 minutes Holy by crap. a minute and 14 seconds. And her character was pregnant. Yeah. Oh wait, she wasn't actually pregnant. <laughs> I don't pregnant. think she was pregnant. Oh, never mind. Okay. Well, that's That just blows my mind. I'm about like 20 30 seconds and I'm like <laughs> hit panic. So I I, can... <laughs> I I don't know. That's impressive to me. I can do maybe 90 seconds. If I'm really like working at it. Yeah. But then by that 90 seconds, I'm like, I got to be close to the surface <laughs> to you know, get out of there right away. Sam Worthington was doing this interview where he said Zoe Saldana and Kate Winslet were kind of being competitive about how oh, long geez. they could hold their breath. And, and Zoe Saldana could actually hold it quite a while too. Like, 
I don't know if I don't remember if he said three to five minutes somewhere in there. Wow. And he said, I was like two minutes tops. And then I'm like, I'm, I'm done. <laughs> Get me the air. But he said they didn't always go up to the surface because that was a ways up to come back down. So they would have like the oxygen oh, sure. yeah, things down there. So nice. then they would kind of stay down there, breathe a little bit and then keep shooting. God, that must have been so cool. I would, I would love that. That would be so neat. <laughs> Were very they in the interesting. Tank? He likes to film in tanks. Yes, there was I a massive so. tank that they were in yeah. that they could create all those waves and stuff. So yeah. they could go from calm to the waves that come up on the beach to ten foot waves. Sure. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. I mean, you got to be able to control that. Plus, you're doing this all almost entirely CGI. Yeah. You know, so to have that, yeah, I would. I, I mean, I know it's probably a dumb question, but. I'm curious. I was curious. Yeah. I wanted, I wanted confirmation of my I This suspicion. is probably another one of those movies that I will probably look at some special features yeah. on the making of. Oh, really? I think uh, it's kind of interesting how he, uh, the little bit I was able to find how mm-hmm. they were doing this, and I think it'd be nice to hear a little bit more. So I'm not into doing special features and stuff on all movies, but <laughs> I think this one is one I think I'll watch. Physical media, folks, that's where it's at. That's where you get all those cool special features. What else do you have for uh, notes and tidbits and such? That's it. That's, That's it. All. Yeah, I it's a one. new movie, so yeah. there's not a ton out there. So yeah. I had heard that Sigourney Weaver and the rest of the cast had learned to free dive. So that must be what that's all about, that holding your breath and getting underwater and yeah. all that stuff. So. Yeah. Interesting, interesting, interesting. Okay, well, if we don't have any other notes, let's do our thing. Jennifer, keep renter a race and why? I'm going to keep this one. Are you? Look at you. I really liked it. You went from meh to this is a keeper. Yeah. The only complaint I have about this movie, mm-hmm. it's too long. <laughs> it is way too long. I There is definitely stuff I think they could have maybe cut out a little bit, but I don't know what you would cut out because the stuff that was not story building was there for eye candy. You know, right. I mean... And I don't know if you'd have the same experience if you weren't watching it in 3D. Right. I, I think we'll have to watch it again at some point in just regular, what is it, 2D? <laughs> 2D, yes. <laughs> yeah. We'll just have to watch it and see if it is the same thing. You know? I mean, it won't be. I know that it won't be because and I the might first feel, one was that way. And I might feel there is probably a lot more lag times and I might feel a little more bored. I don't know, but... There was just so much to look at and, you know, oh, look at that. That's cool over there. You know, this is coming at you over here or whatever. And I really thought it was neat. This is definitely a keep for me. Okay. How about you? Interesting. Well, first I want to say that, like, you watch episodes upon episodes upon episodes of a series, but a three and a half hour movie is too long for you. It's too long when I don't get a break. Okay. Like but I will home, watch home media. It'll be home, okay for you. Yeah, at home, okay. I'm fine with that. All right, fair enough. But I, three hours in the theater where you don't get a chance. Like I had to use the restroom, so I got up and I missed something. I missed the whole part where the kid came back and took the blame for him getting abandoned out in that area. Oh yeah, you did, didn't you? I missed that whole section. <laughs> so I don't like these long movies because if you do need to go use the restroom or something, you're going to miss parts of it. What they ought to do is just give everybody an individual pause button. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, and I know you always <laughs> laugh about the intermission thing, but I don't know how else you would do it. I mean, I know these guys want to tell these long stories. I mean, I had the same problem when it was Avengers Endgame. I mean, it was just, it's so long. Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't that I wasn't engaged the whole time. It just, 
it's a lot of sitting in one chunk. Gotcha. So okay. that's my only real complaint about this. Okay. Well, I wanted. I just wanted to clarify that you didn't necessarily feel like the movie itself was too long, but the experience of sitting in a theater and possibly missing parts of it because you had to use the restroom. Yeah. That's where your issue lies. Right. Gotcha. Okay. All right. I just wanted to make sure, I mean, and I only call out the 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 episodes upon episodes because I was trying to find something with the same length mm-hmm. that would be comparable. But you're right; you get you get breaks at home. You can pause. The I movie can pause it. I can get up and walk thing. around. Like my back starts hurting from sitting too much. I can get up and walk around. Yeah. I can't do that at the theater. You know, you just you end up sitting. You can. Didn't you see those kids that were getting up, wandering <laughs> around in the theater? I don't think people would like that if I'm just walking oh. back and forth in oh, the theater. I'm just saying you could. <laughs> so. All right. Well, as far as far as I am sitting with this movie, I am gonna go with the keep. I think this was. I have some problems with Spider. Obviously, I've made my made my point on that. Other than that, though, there's really not any complaint for me with this movie. Does it feel a little redundant to have Quaritch be the main villain again? A little bit, but. What you've got here is a movie that is a sequel to a movie that's 13 years old. You need to have a little bit of a refresher before you can move on. Mm-hmm. So now we've got two movies out of the way and the final trilogy can start. I'm pretty sure that's how this is going to look when we're done with this. Is that we're going to have a first duology and then a final trilogy. So, sure. I don't know where it goes from here, but I'm interested. I'm, I'm along for the ride. I was sitting there thinking as we were watching this movie, man, why didn't we get a 3D TV? Oh, yeah, that's right. They don't make those anymore. (laughs) Oh, well. Not that you would have even allowed me to buy one anyway, but, you know, (laughs) it would have come in handy for watching movies like Avatar. I'm just saying. Yeah, the one or two movies we're going to watch on it. I know, right? Let's go blow that extra couple thousand for a 3D flick. Seems silly. 3D TV. The, you know, this is one of those movies, like you said, the th- like we've said a couple of times now, the 3D is such an essential part of this. If you can get to the theaters and see it in 3D, do it. I do not recommend that you go and see a movie that's been post-converted because it's not filmed for 3D. This is filmed in 3D for 3D. There are meant to be three dimensions to this picture. And if you're going to see the newest Marvel movie and it's been post-converted to 3D, it's not going to be the same effect. You're not going to have the same the same feeling about that movie that you're going to have about a movie like this that was shot to look like this. So, yeah. Keeper for me. Keeper for me. Excellent. Absolutely. What's uh, What's next? All right. We have an exciting announcement for next week. What's the announcement? We are going to start our new series. We've decided to call it be kind, rewind. Oh, yeah. And we're going to once a month feature a movie based around a certain topic. Mm-hmm. And this year we have chosen the topic of Steven Spielberg. Steven Spielberg is a topic this year. He is. He's <laughs> I don't know how else to word that because it could be like a theme like right. last year. Right. Yeah. Or a director or an actor or right. whatever we decide to do. So that's why I went with topic, because I, I don't know. How else to? It's okay. I'm put just messing that. with you. That's all right. I get it. We understand what you're talking about. So the first movie we're going to cover next week is Duel. Ah, Spielberg's first theatrically released film, but not theatrical film. We'll talk more about that next week. I think. 
But that's cool. So we will see you next week right here on the couch with Steven Spielberg. All right. Not I hope in studio. So I hope all of you guys have a great New Year's weekend this coming weekend. I also hope that for everybody <laughs> as well. So there's that. Let's do that over. No, I like this. <laughs> okay. Thanks for listening, everyone. <laughs> You've been listening to A View from the Couch, a Space Moose Media podcast. You can interact with our hosts on Twitter by going to twitter.com forward slash view underscore couch. You can also email us at aviewfromthecouch at yahoo.com. If you've enjoyed this episode, please help us get noticed by leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or the podcast platform of your choice. Thanks for listening.